Welcome to Focus, the productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm Mike Schmitz. I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am looking forward to continuing the conversation about focus and task management. And we have a special guest today. Yes. Welcome Welcome to to the show, Francesco (laughs) D'Alessio. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Great to be here. (laughs) Absolutely. I jumped in there, David, because uh, Francesco's name has caused me to stumble more than once. So I was trying to <laughs> trying to save you a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was me definitely too. like getting myself, you know, sometimes you got to like take a step back and like prepare for it. I, <laughs> yeah. Francesco, I have been following you and your uh, YouTube career for a long time. You're uh, a very popular productivity YouTuber. And uh, I have to ask you, D'Alessio, it doesn't sound like a British name, but your voice sounds very much like a British person. That was true. Yeah, no, I bet. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually Italian. Yeah. Um, my on my dad's side, uh, all of my family Italian. So yeah, it's uh, it's a nice name to go around with. Um, but I live in like a really rural part of the UK. Yeah. So it takes ages to order anything. Like they're like. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I just when I go to like places, I just say Sparky now because there's there's often oh, another David, sick. but but there's never another Sparky. That just makes it easy. <laughs> oh, I want your name, <laughs> Francesco. You have been, but I, I'm serious. You uh, you've been a leading voice on productivity on the uh, YouTube and. And what I really like about you is you often get in early when there's some new app or service out and kind of have a take on it, which kind of helps as a filter for me and people like me that want to see stuff that's worth our time. And uh, and you have a, a lot of thoughts about focus and productivity, so we're going to be talking about that today. You also have a new app. We're going to talk about that as well. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. No, my absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to to chat with you both. So Francesco, you do a lot of different things here. I want to give you an, an opportunity at the beginning to define what what is it that you do? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah, that that's like a really hard question. It's uh I can't even explain it to my mother-in-law these days. It's uh it, <laughs> it's one of those things, but um I the weirdest way that I explain it is I'd say I'm like a car dealership man for productivity apps where I'm like helping people choose the right one, um, but not trying to sell it too much. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it's really good fun because I can um, understand where people are struggling or what areas that they need help with. And I can go, you know, there's an app for you out there and hopefully match them perfectly and then just watch them sail off into the sunset with a, with a brand new, um, you know, productivity app that suits them. So yeah, that's uh, that's really what I do from a sort of a zoom out perspective. You know, Mike and I have talked on this show about this this, this problem of productivity, where uh, so often new apps or new books or some new productivity principle comes out, and and the community as a whole says, "Oh, this is it. This is the one. If you get this, all your problems go away." And we always try to be really careful about that. Because I feel like that's, you know, the problem and the solution is with you, not not with an app or a book or an idea. And uh, I, I really just want to endorse you because I feel like that you kind of take the same approach. You're not telling people this is the one thing you do this and all your problems are solved. But, but it is, I would imagine, for the kind of work you do, difficult because every week you're getting app developers and web service providers telling you, Hey man, we have the answer to all of your problems. You need to tell your <laughs> listeners about it. Your, your, your viewers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like every week it's, uh, it's that I get probably get about 50 new requests for app reviews a week, uh, just on productivity. And I normally turn 99% of them away. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just about like sort of filtering about which ones are sort of credible, which ones are, are good. But like I, like you said, like it's not about the app. Um, the app is a lovely uh, opportunity for you to organize all of that. But without foundations and frameworks, you, you'll change app all the time. And that's not the goal. Um, 
So having a strong core is the important thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we had a, a we often on the show tell our listeners, hey, we don't have all the answers for you. We're going to hopefully give you a journey where you can find your answers. And we actually had someone write us recently and say, well, you say you don't have all the answers, but I do. So you should make me a guest on your show. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. But, uh, but either way, um, the uh, what I would say is that given that you know there is no one solution for everyone but you have been in this business long enough and seen enough and interacted with your viewers what are some good rules of thumb people should be thinking about when they're watching your content or looking at new productivity apps and services um yes yeah, it's, it's a good question i think the the thing there's sort of like a under uh, underrated like sort of hack, I think as well to picking a productivity app, and um, I think as well it's it's about the company ethos. Um, there there are so many com- there's so many apps and companies out there, and to be honest, there's like thousands of apps that do very similar things minus two or three features, and sometimes it it actually might come down to what you think about the company, whether they follow the values that you believe in, and whether you believe they're their approach whether you like it and the way that they're sort of treating their staff the people they work with and and sort of guiding the road um so i always i would say like don't necessarily when you're picking an app always make it so clinical you can make it quite emotional as well um and and sometimes ethos and company values is something that actually um can be that sway between one app and another yeah, I would add to that delight. You know, this you're doing yeah, hard work yeah. using these apps. If something brings you delight, even though they maybe they don't have every checkbox that you're looking for, sometimes the the mm. mere delight of using an application is enough to make you actually use it. Whereas you pick on a checkbox, a lot of times you find you don't open the app after a week or two. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's. I think sometimes people need to view productivity apps like cars. I keep going back to car recommendation. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, let's be fair. Uh, a, a Ford Fiesta is going to get you to the local petrol station the same way that a Ferrari is. But sometimes it's nice inside of a Ferrari. It looks good <laughs> on the outside and it it feels nice. So you have to sometimes look at that aspect and go, all right, yeah, I'm going to have a sort of, you know, that's why people go for different cars. We all know they go from A to B, but we choose them because they make us feel things. They make us have a different experience. So, yeah, I, I think it's nice to have a good old look around, isn't it? <laughs> that's a couple of times you've mentioned the the emotional part or the feeling-based part of these decisions. I want to lean into that a little bit. Uh, mm. I also heard somebody say one time that in business, you don't invest uh, in companies, you invest or you deal with the the people who run those companies, and I feel mm. that approach also applies to the tools that you use to get your work done. Uh, David, you mentioned checking the boxes, right? So that's kind of assuming that you have a checklist of things that you're looking for as you are putting different apps through the the paces and test driving them, if you will. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious, do you have any sort of process for that? Or is it more just you're going to engage with these apps and your services probably too, uh, and you're going to see how it it feels? Uh, or is it? do you have like a, a clear decision tree that you go through and you're looking for X, Y, and Z as you uh, try these things out? Yeah. Um, I say for myself, it's probably a similar experience. But what I recommend people do is go for a sort of three-part process, and it's research, trial, and optimization. And very briefly, research is making sure that the tool you go with matches your needs. The trial aspect is, okay, I've got one or two of these options. I like them. Let's trial it for 90 days and see if it works and, and how I feel with it at the end of them. And then the third stage is optimization. It's like, right, I've got this app. It's gone through the trial period. 
let's make it the best it can be so that I can stay with it for the longest period as possible. So I always try and like push people towards like systematizing their selection um, just because it helps them to um, be a bit more, obviously there's that, there's that uh, emotional element, but sometimes it's also important to go right. Like it, you know, it does have to be at some point choosing uh, what you need and, and hitting the mark because else you'll just keep switching, which is, is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. And you know, an interesting element on that, that I would add is I think that the relative stickiness of an app you're trying should get mm. bigger with time. So the more you use yeah. it, the less willing you should be to throw it over. But the inverse of that is the less time you've been using it, the more willing you should be um, to throw it overboard. And like I, I'm going through that right now. I'm looking for some management tools. I've got a few people working on Team Max Berkey, and I want to do a better job of communicating with them and, and having project planning and stuff together. And so I've been looking at some of these web services for that. And like yesterday, I spent an hour with one, and I'm like, oh, this just, it's just not feeling right for me. It's not, you know what I mean? It's just for whatever reason. And, and I'm only an hour in, this is a real easy breakup for me, you know, whereas if I had yeah. spent a week <laughs> on it, uh, it, I would feel more inclined to stick with it. So I do think that's kind of another piece of it, at least for me is, mm, you know, if yeah. you don't get the warm, fuzzy feelings pretty quickly, um, there are a lot of other options. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like dating, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, or test driving. To, let's just go with that. Yeah, or test know? driving with the cars. Yeah, let's keep <laughs> the car analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is it's, it's mad how much the productivity space is just exploded in the last few years. Like we, when Notion came along, it just went mass market. And it's so weird to have opened up like TikTok and Instagram, and all these apps that you don't relate to productivity. And then suddenly somebody's talking about Notion, you're like, what? <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah, I mean, that's, let's talk about that too, because there are definite trends in productivity software that have happened in the last few years. Um, I, two that come to my mind, one is kind of the Notion explosion and related apps like mm. Notion for like cloud-based collaboration is kind of the way I look at that. And then the other is the backlinking notes apps, you know, Rome, mm. Obsidian, Craft, all the all the usual characters plus more. What kind of trends are you noticing now as you, you know, kind of work in this day to day? Yeah. Um, like you said, like that sort of like um linking experience and the sort of notion wave is sort of been big over the last two, three years. Um, I would say notion is like that sort of mass market app that's gaining a lot of attention. And I would say more the linking it, I don't want to offend anyone, but I always say it's a hobbyist experience because, uh, it's not as say mass market as like notion, yeah. not like in a, in a bad way. Um, but I think I, I always like to keep on top of the trends and I think, that in the next sort of three years, we're going to move from no code building like in Notion to structured AI again, where we want our apps structured again and we want them to do things for us in the background. Um, and that's where we'll probably move away from actually going into our productivity apps. Like it will be, productivity apps will be like, the best productivity app apps will be the ones you spend the least time with, the ones you touch the least, and the ones that do the most for you. So I think we're we're transitioning from that slowly, but I think that's going to be the next big, big trend. I was laughing the other day reading about Google's attempt to have auto replies to your emails for you. Like someone <laughs> sent you an email and then it says, oh, I think I know what this person wants and it replies for you. And I was thinking, oh God, how long stressful. will it be before a substantial portion of the internet bandwidth is spent with robots writing each other email and just going back and forth? <laughs> yeah, that's what it will be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but 
quite quite scary, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we got some we got some weird roads ahead of us, gang. But no, I, I like what mm. you were thinking, though. I think AI naturally is a part of the future. I think a lot of uh, of stuff that we take for granted that AI can't do, it can, in in not mm. too distant future. Yeah, it would be it would be a nicer world because we can focus on the sort of life work aspect versus the work life aspect. Um, and that'll be a nicer problem to have, I think. Yeah. So you and I can, our email, our robots can have conversations with each yeah. other and you and I can actually work. <laughs> that'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. Well, the, Hey, wait a second. I want to get a word in. Yeah. The, and then the robots have some sort of argument. I don't know why we yeah. just have to control them and, <laughs> You call, hey yeah. Dave, your robot uh, is in a fight with my robot. Can you please tell it to be nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it'll be. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's exciting, day. This episode of Focus is brought to you by Collide. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Mac, Linux, and Windows devices from right inside of Slack. It's perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your team, Collide educates your employees about security and device management while also directing them to fix important problems by themselves. Collide knows that for IT admins, the key to solving some of the most common security issues is to educate the end users. They do this by instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys finding plain text two-factor backup codes and teaching end users how to store them securely and encouraging employees to uninstall bad browser extensions that may sell their browser history. And those are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. Try it out at Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash focused. And if you enter your email when prompted, you'll get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. Our thanks to Collide for their support of the Focused podcast and all of Relay FM. Well, and in, in we were talking about applications and how to pick them, but... But the, I, I really do think there is always a challenge. The reason this show is called Focused is because we don't want to focus on productivity. We want to focus on the concept of focus and how mm. do you get your most important work done. And I guess that's a question I have for you. With all of these people trying to get you to make videos and you getting in the app development business, how do you find time yourself to be focused? And what does that mean to you? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, yeah, focus is one of those things where for for me, like I I have like a, f- a fair few ideas across the day, and it's stressful because I want to get them all like done because they're really exciting and fun things to do, um, uh, which I'm very lucky to have. Um, but the way that I, I I try and focus is is trying to be sort of as intentional with my time as possible. Um, so I'm trying to work out uh, the value of each task versus the quantity of them. Um, just because I, I, I want to do as much of my day that allows me to switch off at 4 PM and spend time with my, my new little boy. So it's, um, it's, it's actually changed over the last few years. Whereas I like used to have like a never ending battery with my focus. Uh, but now I'm like, I've entered the world of like this era in my life where I'm like, I need to, I just need to calm down, slow down and, and focus more on, on, on family. How did you learn that lesson? I mean, how do you get to the point where you say it's not the number of tasks, it's doing the right tasks? Uh, reading a lot of books has helped, um, not my own wisdom. <laughs> um, I think just like seeing um, that there's always some good concepts out there with, which go like, uh, how do you increase output whilst reducing time? And that's always like a really nice concept of, um, of productivity because you can see how it affects your relaxation inside of stuff. Um, and I really like to, I really like to get time off and go on a walk and things like that. So 
I guess it's appealing enough for me to want to stop work, if that makes sense. <laughs> so that sort of like helped me to like work out, all right, like how do I, um, I keep uh, intentional about what I do a bit more. How do you pick in uh, the morning or the day before or the week before, what, what are the big rocks for you? How do you pick which are the things you're going to actually do? I think it's about like working out what are the sort of, the the medium to long-term uh, objectives. And then I go like, what are the things that are going to move the needle the most? Um, I think in Tim Ferriss writes about like the sort of domino effects, like what's the one domino that you can knock over that produces more dominoes to fall over to continue that. Um, and I think that concept always sticks up with me as like a, okay, if I'm able to nudge a few things, uh, what moves it forward? So one thing I tried to stop doing as much as I could recently was um, was trying not to do it as much like planning because I used to do I used to have like tasks where I'd be like plan this and it was like is that a task <laughs> like sometimes that can be like not a task it's like a sort of fake task I love the the analogy of the dominoes uh, I'm gonna mention a, a book where I heard that and that is the one thing by gary keller and uh jay papasan i believe and that's a really powerful analogy that the short version of that story for people who are unfamiliar with it is that when you tip over a domino it can actually knock over another domino 50 percent larger and so you pick the right things and then you start the motion and then pretty soon you've got some momentum going towards your objective that you were talking about but it's not how many dominoes can i knock over it's what are the right dominoes <laughs> kind of the the quality over the the quantity if i'm if i'm hearing you right i'm kind of curious how you think that fits with something that we had touched on a little bit at previous segment of the the automation it seems to me that is the problem that most people face and i'd love to hear your personal perspective on how you overcome that but it's uh figuring out what are the right things to do, not how do I get more things done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it's like in, in future in the sort of medium to long term, we'll be focusing so much on doing more life stuff, um, sort of like outside of work that it will be about when you're at work because the artificial intelligence does, the small meaning, meaning, meaningless, not meaningless, um, the small sort of like chunky tasks that are like administration, sort of medium tasks potentially. It's like, okay, the, the goal is for you then to do all the creative stuff that a human will thrive at. So long-term, it will be that that's where focusing will become an even better skill because we'll be doing stuff that the artificial intelligence can't do and that we'll be really um, sort of doing the stuff that makes it more interesting in terms of moving the needle forward with a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of the sort of thoughts are on that, um, that sort of future feeling around apps and, and the way that we're sort of viewing the world with tasks as well. So how do you do that? And I guess more generally, how does one do that without having a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I think the thing is like, I, I, I'm very, very lucky to work for myself and to have a flexible schedule. Um, but we, you know, let's look at the majority of the population who are in maybe potentially full-time jobs or maybe even, um, you know, with a much heavier schedule base, um, you have to look at that and go, how is this possible with other people sort of forcing their, uh, potential agenda or their incoming tasks onto your lap? Um, and it's a, it's a difficult thing because you have to balance your priorities versus somebody else's priorities. Um, but I think it's, it's all about trying to, um, like adapt your schedule as much as you can um, by taking 
sort of uh, an example, like, like if, for example, before the whole pandemic thing, people were negotiating remote work agreements um, by, uh, like, basically pitching their jobs. So they were, for example, um, they were going to their boss and saying, if you allow me to work from home, I think that you'll get, tw- I'll get 25% more done and I'll feel 25% more happier and more sort of free. And I think in the future, uh, at least now, what you could do is look at how your focus can change as well. And that's what we're always looking for within companies anyway, is, is that reshuffle of focus. Um, but it's looking about, okay, if I, if I move my intention a little bit this way, um, how much impact can that make and sort of convincing the other people that you work with around you to think like that, but also to try and um, sort of almost pitch your focus like you pitch remote work, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> no, I think, uh, Francesco, it's interesting to hear your thoughts on this because I feel like you're at the front line of it because of all the people I follow. I think you look at the most productivity apps. So you're seeing the trends and like the... The pandemic has changed the dialogue, not only around working from home, but also like what is a productivity app and what is productive now? I I feel like one, I mean, if there is a silver lining to this dark, dark cloud of, of, of COVID is that we were on autopilot beforehand in terms of productivity. People went to work every day and they churned email or whatever it was that they thought they needed to do. And this whole, you know, way that Apple Cart got turned upside down was a ray of sunshine to people who were like, well, what really matters for my job? What is the thing that I'm actually mm-hmm. doing? And I think it has made a lot of people rethink things. Oh, yeah. The, the pandemic was a really good thing for productivity. Some ways it was negative for remote work because I think people were like thrown in the deep end and companies didn't really know what they were doing with remote work because it was so like new. They weren't like endorsing healthy practices and sort of like helping people out. They were, well, I'm not saying all were, but a lot of them were just sort of, right, your commute turns into work time. You know, you don't, you have a flexible schedule, so feel free to carry on past five. There's no sort of, healthy breaks and things like that, especially when people were going through such uh, upheaval in their life. Um, So they didn't really understand it from that perspective. But for productivity, I think a lot of, like you're right, David, like the the whole world got an opportunity to pause. And for a lot of people, that was really healthy and a good chance. And and so many, I I don't know whether it was the same in, in the US, but so many people in the UK here, started new businesses and took their time. Um, I don't know whether it was the same thing with their furlough money. Uh, that was like money from their employer um, that they can, that you can take. Um, and they'd started their own businesses and, and worked, worked on their own projects. And it spawned a lot of sort of innovation, which is good. I mean, the U S we're calling it the great resignation. I mean, I, I was part <laughs> of it actually, oh, when really? I think about it. Um, yeah. And, uh, people are are rethinking a lot of things but that is an opportunity for people who want to make useful productivity software to try and fit new needs yeah oh definitely yeah this episode of the focus podcast is brought to you by squarespace go to squarespace.com slash focused f-o-c-u-s-e-d and make your next move enter offer code focused at checkout to get 10 percent off your first purchase. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, services, and even the content you create. Whatever you want to do on the internet, Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you've got best-in-class website templates that you can customize to fit your needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find the perfect starting place and then you can customize it with just a few clicks. And you can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace's email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey of becoming loyal customers? 
Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. And speaking of products, you can sell them on an online Squarespace store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to get started selling online. I've got multiple Squarespace accounts that I pay for because it's just so convenient. Like Daisy and I have the Disneyland Resort Field Guide. That's Squarespace. My kids have some websites that they've built. Those are Squarespace. My law practice was Squarespace. It's just the easiest place to go to get started with a website. They've got all the tools there for you, and they handle the hosting too. If you want to get a stable, attractive website on the internet, go to Squarespace. So head to squarespace.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FOCUSED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash focused. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code FOCUSED to get that 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Focus podcast. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, so we were talking about the uh, the opportunity to shift productivity apps towards optimizing for focus, and uh, that's the real reason that I wanted to have you on the show here today, Francesco, is that uh, you have created a new app, and just, I'll be honest here, like I've known you for a while, and I've watched <laughs> your YouTube for a while, and my expectation of Bento was that this was going to probably have some cool things in it, but mm. was going to kind of be a, a passing thing for you. Just kind of like, I'll try this and maybe it'll go well. Maybe I'll learn some things about it, but this wasn't going to be the thing. Instead, what happened was this thing took off and it's number four in the US app store. And <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> it's a phenomenal app. It's really, really, really beautiful. But I, I want to know the, the story behind this. But before we even get there, can you talk to us a little bit about the Bento method? Yeah, sh- sure. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for um thanks for your faith in me. <laughs> 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 no, the uh I, it was it was really weird because uh, it must have been about a year and a half ago. I had like this, you know, when you review so many apps, it becomes sort of like I almost joke about it. Like, uh, I you know, there doesn't need to be more productivity apps. <laughs> and then I had sort of an idea. I was like, you know, like aha! Uh-huh, I think I was I don't know where I was at, but like I was like, there's no real like limits on productivity apps, like you can just add as much as you want. And then I think I was in like a shop and I saw this like bento box and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then the sort of two connected up and I was like, what would an app be like if it was designed like a bento box, Japanese feel? I love that sort of culture. And I thought like, what happens if you could sort of combine three tasks inside of a box? And I was like, oh, that's quite a cool idea. Um, then basically I texted one of my university friends who's a developer and I said, um, I think I started it like, hey, Craft's iOS app is built pretty stunningly. How do you go about building something like that? <laughs> started like uh, sort of asking him and he was like, oh, it could be fairly easy to do. Like, what's the idea and things like this? And it sort of kicked off from there. And and Carl, who's another university friend who's a developer, uh, came along into the gang and, and we built it from there. And then about a month in, I was like, this is a methodology. And I went, no, don't like this is this can't be like a methodology. Cause I was like, uh, what is a methodology? And I guess how uh, what warrants it to be a methodology? So it's sort of as a as as a zoom out point, the Bento method is basically number one, packing. So you pack your Bento box with three tasks, a large one, a medium, and a small one. And uh, and then that's the packing process. And you're allowed up to seven boxes, no more, no less. Um, and uh, that's the sort of limitations aspect. And then the second stage of it is flow, where we want you to balance your energy levels during a day. So it's basically the order in which you do your tasks. Like, 
Do you want to start with your small one? Do you want to move to your medium one and finish with your large one? Or do you want it the other way around? So we created three energy workflows that basically allow you to apply it to each of your box. Uh, and then number, four, number three, it was simply how do we focus better so that we don't see the other tasks in our day? And we simply just created some more mindful ways to do that inside of the app. Um, so, and, and then very weirdly, about two or three months down the line from then, I went, why does this need to be just in our app? Why can't this be applied to every single app out there? Um so basically, we launched the app uh, on iOS, um, but we'll be launching a course with templates very soon. So you can apply the methodology to every single app out there. Um, obviously, mainly task management. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and basically, from there, it's a layer on top of your productivity. It's not actually replacing anything. It's not replacing your to-do list experience. It's just allowing you to bring more clarity to what is really meaningful in your day. So the thing that surprised me about this is that methodology layer that you just described, because I've followed you for a long time. I've bought some of the courses that you've made. And one of the things like David was talking about that uh, in my mind, like what is Francesco? You're going to try all this stuff and you're going to explain what's good about things, what's bad about things. So I can decide for myself what's the right one to use. And when you think about these methodologies, uh, this is probably totally wrong. But in my mind, uh, the story I'm telling myself is that the people who share these methodologies, this is something that they have done since infancy, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the yeah. realistic journey is probably for for everybody, not just not just you, is exactly what you're sharing with us here today. Is like I'm trying all these different things, and I'm keeping my feelers out, I'm paying attention to what's working and what's not and being willing to pivot and change directions. That is the real path to success here for people. Uh, but mm. I, I 100% think that you kind of knocked it out of the park with this app. And I'm excited to hear about the methodology being applied to, to uh, other apps. But I think that's the thing that's surprising to me. And I just wanted to call it out because reflecting on it, I guess it shouldn't be. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is uh, normal for most people uh, that it, who embrace that growth mindset. You know, this is what we want to have happen. Not that we're going to all launch our own apps and be number four in the U S app store, but <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like the thing is, like I wouldn't ever been ever been able to do this without the developers, Carl and Robin. Like they're the brains behind this. Like I'm just uh, I'm just a Wally trying to you know uh, put ideas together and uh, put it into the market. Um, but it's yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of those things that um, when I look back on everything that's happened, it, it was very. Yeah, natural in a way because I saw a problem and we sort of pulled it together into an experience. But like the thing is, like it's it's a classic sort of problem problem uh, fix thing, isn't it? You find a problem and then you see if there is a fix to it. And um, and I do think it's a real world problem that's probably going to become more prevalent in the next year or two years, just because of the nature of working from home, the nature of. Uh, the some of the biggest statistics in the US and the UK at least are all around high workloads and stress uh in your workday. And it's all about like how can we bring that down to a, a a level where you feel like you've finished a day and you feel like you've achieved something without having to press overdue, overdue, overdue on everything. You know, it's funny because I was talking to you, Francesco, before we recorded today and your app, I've been using it for three or four days now um, as we prep for recording. And uh, like Mike, I'm very impressed because I feel like it is different. I look at a lot of task apps too. And I, you know, I, I'm always trying the latest and greatest for the same reason you are. People are, uh, a lot of people are asking what I, what I'm interested in and, and what, you know, might be useful to them. So I want to know, but the thing about your app is it really isn't, in my opinion, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't feel like a task manager. It feels like a focus manager. And hmm. the idea yeah. is like when you 
there's so as as Francesco explained, you get a bento box in this in this app, and then you pick a big, a small, and a medium thing. And at the time you put it in, the app prompts you, "How long will this take?" And anybody who's been listening to Focus knows how uh, passionately I feel about the idea of block scheduling and making time for the things that are truly important. Well, the app kind of forces you into that hole. Like you are looking at your time debt at the moment you're declaring these areas of focus. And I think that is missing from a lot of people's workflows. You know, you get a task manager, you wake up, you see 30 things in there and, you know, you do your best to make sense of it and pick the ones you think can get done today. But are you asking yourself, well, what, what am I doing here? That's going to move the needle and how long is it going to take? And the mm-hmm. focus element of Bento to me is why I think this is an interesting app. Not only, I guess it could be a task manager of limited scope, which is an intentional mm, yeah. decision, but I think it could be a focus manager in conjunction with a task manager too. I don't know. Were you thinking yeah. about that at all when you made it as like something as an in-betweener or whatever you would call it? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I may, we mainly think of it as a layer, but like, for example, like my, um, my sister downloaded it the other week and she was like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause I, I, typically don't have a task manager before so it's ideal like um that's why we call it like the do less to do list because it like that's like the way that we frame it but it's nice because it doesn't really compete with the other apps it is like you've said it's a focus manager it's like it's a layer it's it's a way to really zone in clarity and i could see people using this like your sister exclusively i mean when i was in law school yeah, And I've said this on the show, I, I had an, my morning tea napkin was my task list every day. I'd write two or three things on it and that's yeah. all I needed. My life was very simple. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have mortgages. I only, I didn't have <laughs> clients, you know, so th- three things was enough. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who, for whom this could be mm. everything, but, but for people who have a lot of things, I actually like the element of this for me of saying, okay, you're going to choose three areas of focus in the morning and you're going to actually, you know, the rubber meets the road. See how I did that? Yeah. You know, we're we're going yeah. <laughs> to be, uh, Sparky, you're going to be picking something and you're going to be committing two hours to it today. So make it make it worth it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think, I think the thing is as well, like um, when we designed it around that whole bento box and having your compartments, is very similar to sort of the way that people go about packing their lunchbox before the night before. You're very like intentional about separating your food and you pack it and it's ready in the fridge for you in the morning. Um, that's at least how they d- we do it over here in probably in the US. Um, but it's it's like we we when we thought we'd go down the Japanese theme route, we fell in love with how each of the themes work inside of the app. Um, everything is designed around relaxation and everything's designed around um, just feeling a sense of mindfulness around each box that you create. Um, But ironically, we always get messages saying like, when I use this app, I feel starving. And um, that's something we can't solve. (laughs) Well, well, and we we didn't mention that, but when you, when you kick, kick off a timer and you could just check off the, three items as you finish the day. But if you'd like, you know, the app has a timer for each one and you can kick off the timer and guess what? You've got a pretty image on your screen and a timer and you don't have Twitter, Facebook, email or anything else. Your phone turns into a brick that is a timer and it says right now you should be recording focused. At least that's what mine says at this moment. (laughs) Uh, So, um, yeah. Oh, that's good. That, that, um, that's good. I, I'm not kidding. I'm gonna show you guys. See right there. There it is. But the um, <laughs> oh, lovely, yeah. But the uh, so that that's a good idea too. I, I think if you are struggling with um, with the uh, distractions, the app does mm. that as well. But to me, I, I really think that where this landed for me was the idea of choosing focus and whatever tricks you got to use, gang, to do that. Um, you should use them. And this this app, I feel like, is a is a good one. Yeah. I mean so much coming from you two, like seriously, honest. Um, like it's so um it's so nice to hear that because uh like I think it's it's one of those things where I was like, 
really worried when we released it that everyone was like, like it does nothing. <laughs> and it's like, that's the point. <laughs> that's the beauty. But thankfully of it. people have got it. Yeah. Thankfully people have got it, which is good. <laughs> I'm kind of curious um, because the, as I'm thinking about all the different task managers that you've tried and made videos on, like, I don't know that this is necessarily the intention behind the task managers, but this is the trap I feel a lot of people fall into. And I love to get your perspective is when you optimize for speed and the ability to quickly add things, you know, this feels kind of like an anti-task manager, <laughs> like all yeah. of the other things, all the other projects, the moment that you start one of those timers don't matter. And you could argue that if you put things in the right context and set up the dates the right way that yes, a task manager will do that for you. It'll do the heavy lifting and it'll surface only the things that you should be thinking about. But you combine the human element and there's always going to be a whole bunch of things that you sh should using air quotes there, be thinking about yeah. it at any given moment. And this is basically saying force, giving you force constraints, force boundaries. It's like, no, you pick one, <laughs> you yeah. get one, yeah. nothing else. <laughs> is that kind of what you were trying to do? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like midway through, we were like, do we add a description? Do we add subtasks? Do we add it? And then we're like, we're just deviating from the concept. And we were like, people should add as little as they possibly can. Um, and then we'll just make everything else around the experience like. And, and that was nice because as soon as we made the methodology concrete, what we now do is whenever we go into the app, we go, how do we, with this next update, how do we make the, the app more closer to the methodology? Um, and that was nice because it, it gives us like a foundation to work on, on at least. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not a lot to it, but I, I think it it definitely scratches an itch. Um, now we're talking about your sister and like the people like her who will want this app to be their task manager. But I am guessing you're hearing from a lot of people that are using it kind of in that other role that we were talking about, where they may have a more complex system, but they're using this to kind of bring order to the chaos. What kind of stories are you hearing now that the app's out in the wild? Yeah, one of the most like interesting things we've heard is um, from the ADHD and the autism community. Um, so we had uh, we've had a couple of people already starting to use it that suffer from ADHD, and um, and and there was also a father who started using it with his daughter for who has autism, um, and apparently we didn't know this. I mean, like we just put an app out and we expect the productivity world to focus in on it, you know, ones who are sort of used to apps and all that. But then it turned out that he said that his daughter was uh, focusing a lot more when she picked her three tasks to start the day. And apparently the timer aspects is something, although apparently it's meant to be more visual. Um, apparently that was an aspect that they, they found particularly helpful for her. Um, to focus in on the tasks. So it was really strange where we sort of launched this and then we got like a bit of feedback from people in those areas. And apparently it's the nature of the sim sim slim simplisticness, simplicity of the app um, and the flexibility that actually like made it appealing to those sort of um, th those individuals. Um, so that was really nice to hear. Like, and that's like, I was just on a podcast sort of like talking with, um, uh, Pete who was, who runs a podcast about ADHD and he was saying about the different aspects of it and how it was helpful. And I was like, Oh my God, like it, that's insane. That is so good. Um, yeah. isn't and then, it great and then, when you put something in the world and you get stories like that? Yeah. Doesn't that just make your day? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I thought I, like when I help people find apps, I'm like, oh my God, that's cool. I found, help somebody find an app. But like when people find the app and it helps them, I'm, I, it's even more of a kick, I think. Um, but yeah, like I think the thing is it, it appeals to a lot of markets because the productivity, the hardcore productivity market might want it to be able to have that layer of intention, tension, tensionalism over the top of it. Um, but then it also appeals, like you said, to the people that, don't have to-do lists. So we're finding it really interesting these last couple of weeks 
since we launched, like almost a month now, that people are just finding it for all different types of scenarios in their life. It's it's very cool. Okay, can I give you some friendly advice? Please, I'm yeah. sure you're getting tons of advice from people now that you have an app out. And it's okay, because yeah, yeah. no, nobody's listening, right? Now, everybody just put your fingers in this for a minute. Francesco, you need to, whoever this person, this artist is that did the background art for this app, yeah, you need to find that person and lock them down for like a lot more art because the art is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to write it down. Like, uh, we we tried, I think, I think uh, I'll send her this episode and like put this as a, like a plea. Um, I, we tried and she's like, uh, she's still into her freelancing, which is fair enough. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll try and lock her down. She's, uh, she's brilliant. Uh, who, yeah. who She does it. Oh, like it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, stunning. Yeah. Although here's my app request. I would like it to switch from light and dark <laughs> mode with the phone. You got to throw a switch right now. It's coming. All right. You winked at me. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Adaptive mode. Yeah. It's uh, next update. Well, either way, I mean, congratulations on getting this app together. Oh, I mean, you know, you I think your instincts were right on with the way you did this. And and there are a lot of apps out there that do a lot, a lot more complicated than this one, a lot that are simpler than this one. But I think, you know, you, you did the Goldilocks move here. And I think a lot of people are going to really like what you've made. This episode of Focus is brought to you by Indeed. Even if your hiring goals would be considered aggressive, you know you don't need a miracle to make them happen. You just need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job according to Indeed data in the U.S. Instant Match really is incredible. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to that U.S. Indeed data. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest from 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent faster. Start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. Offer is good for a limited time, so claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Focused. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash Focused. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant, not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Focus podcast and all of RelayFM. Uh, so, Francesco, I mean, you started out making... YouTube videos. I mean, that's kind of where this began, this journey began for you that grew into something very successful. And now you've turned it into an app development business. I mean, uh, share some of your wisdom with us. What have you learned along this path? I I would say it's, it's about the friendships and relationships you make along the way. Cause, um, like I wouldn't have had any idea of how to do all this, uh, any, any idea, um, but it's just about like the people you connect with. And we're so lucky online these days to be connected with so many people through Twitter, through YouTube, through different platforms. Like I would say that's probably something I really is so undervalued. Um, but like that's something that has helped along the way massively. I wouldn't be able to do the app without amazing developers like Carl and Robin and and all the people I've worked with on YouTube beforehand as well. Um, so yeah, I would credit everything to everyone else <laughs> for sure. Well, that's good. So it sounds to me like you're also telling me, don't let your ego take over as you start to be getting a success. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. But you know, obviously all of this wasn't rosy for you. I'm sure that you had challenges along the way. What were some of the the bigger challenges you faced that you were able to get through on this journey? 
I think like 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 Mike said, right? When we did the when we did Bento, like it was like whether it was going to be sort of a success or sort of a relative success. And I've had a lot of like mini projects that I started that haven't necessarily been successful. Um, like for example, I, I started a side channel called Keep Focused, <laughs> like Keep Productive, but it was about keep focused, right? Um, would have been a competitor to you guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but it was in hindsight, I jumped in too early and it didn't have like the structure that I wanted. But looking back at it, it actually made sort of some of the path for Bento um, for the future because obviously keep focused. It kept like kept me on the idea path to creating Bento with the other chaps. Um, so at the same time, it's like um, it's like sometimes the failures are just a, a a hint of what's coming in the future, um, and I'm sure I've gone out plenty more of them, which is going to be fun. Let's uh, lean into that a little bit because the moment that you fail at something, the last thing you want to do is figure out what you could have done better. But if you're like me, you just want to go completely the other direction, <laughs> be like, I don't even want to think about that for a while. Uh, how do you how do you personally do that? Is there some sort of process as you go through and unpack what did I learn from this thing? What am I going to take from this going forward? Or is that just kind of happen subconsciously and you're just looking for the next next step? Hmm. I don't I don't think I think about it too much. I'll probably just uh say to my wife, oh, did this didn't work today, and then just have a like a nice meal and then just watch some telly in the evening. So probably I, I don't overthink it too much, but yeah. And then at least I come in the next day and go like, oh yeah, I should change this. But it's about work. I think it's about working out when things go wrong or when things like are at their point where they need to change. Um, and that was probably, sometimes you can wait too long. Sometimes you can catch it too early. So I guess. Yeah, I'm a big fan of journaling, and one of the things I like to do mm. when I have success or failure is journal it. But one of my favorite questions I ask myself when I have a success is, what are the failures that made this possible? Because every mm. time I have a success, there are definitely failures in my past that helped lay the path for that success. You know, And, yeah. and if you can get yourself used to thinking in those terms, then the failures don't feel so bad because... You know, it's just one more step in the journey. Yeah, that's good advice, David. <laughs> Have you guys ever like heard the, uh, the parable of the Chinese farmer? It's an Alan Watts Zen story. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. No. It's a it's a great story about a farmer who has a son, and all you know. I'll you know, I'm just gonna put it in the link. You guys go watch it It'll, if that's yeah, of interest yeah, yeah. to you. I like that sort of stuff. Yeah, lessons. Yeah, tell me that. <laughs> now just you know, extend your perspective. I think that's the hmm. failure is a slice in time. I don't know, man. I'm now I'm turning into a Zen uh, <laughs> story here. That's easier yeah. easier said than done, though, right? To say, oh, yeah. just learn from your failures. That's the kind of thing that you hear podcasters say, like us, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really smart. And then you have to deal with a failure, and, and it you hurts. get all emotional about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Any tips yeah. for, for uh, sorting through all that as as you've encountered some of this stuff yourself? To David or me? <laughs> to you, oh, Francesco. To you, Francesco. Uh, oh, okay, I, I mean, David, should feel free to chime in, but I'm kind of kind of curious. You're the, you're the star here, Francesco. So we're <laughs> um, gonna we're gonna talk about your failures for right now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Mine are um, well documented. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think like as well, like I think what uh, YouTube does as well is it, it gives you uh, a chance to be in front of people and sort of sometimes have that accountability. Um, so I, I'm quite lucky because if I ever do sort of a failure, I can record it on YouTube and then say sorry for it. <laughs> not so like, not so much that it's a YouTube apology video, but if I make a mistake, I normally try and rectify it. Um, and that's normally like, I guess it's probably the equivalent to my own journaling. Um, I do journal, but, um, I don't really talk about failures too much, but 
whenever I make a mistake or something like that, then I could just turn the camera on and look like a look like a silly. <laughs> but it's a good idea. <laughs> How do you go from chronicling the failure to okay, now I'm gonna let this go and embrace the the new thing? Is it simply like if you're journaling, uh, you can write it down and then today, then tomorrow you've got a new day, right? Uh, mm. You're not publishing a YouTube video every day. So what's mm. kind of your trigger point for, okay, I'm going to let that go and move forward now? Um, I never really thought about it. It's got deep thinking, guys. <laughs> Sorry um, to put you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, the, I think I, I normally just uh, think about it, like in the back of my mind, um, like uh, on walks and things like that, on runs and like exercise. And then basically... I'll just sort of like deconstruct it as best I can and say, right, um, what sort of led me to make this mistake? And then I'll go, okay, just don't do it again, sort of thing. (laughs) I'm sure it's hard to explain. (laughs) No, that's okay. And I I think this is kind of the takeaway. Uh, um, Your response is kind of what I expected because people have their ways of dealing with these things, but they don't typically think through the mm. specifics of how it works. For me, I've found it's really valuable. Uh, like you, I tend to go for a run when I've reached, you know, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for a run and then that's when my brain sorts through it. By the time I get back, there's a there's a path forward. That's the thing yeah. that kind of allows me to let, let that go. Uh, but I think yeah. it's valuable for people to think about that stuff because kind of like task management apps or productivity apps, right? You got to find the one that that clicks for you. And if you know what sort of things are in your bag that you can use strategically, you know, that can help you emotionally sort through all that stuff. And, and just put it, you're, you know, at the moment that you have a big failure that you don't get the promotion or, you know, worse, you know, um, you don't have the ability to logically think through how do I get through this stuff? Like knowing that like I'm Mike Schmitz and I go on a run and I feel better and it works out, you know, knowing that means that you put your running shoes on when you find yourself in that spot, you don't have to think your way through it. I remember reading the Colin Powell book a few years ago. Colin Powell was a famous general and a politician in the United States. And he talked about how, throughout his career, every time he had terrible news or something went really wrong, he would go to bed. He'd be like, well, whatever it is, I'm going to go to bed and sleep. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel better about it. And every time I do. And that was like his, he had his response, you know? And I think all of us need to think that through in advance, you know? Because, you know, I got news for you. We're all going to have bad days, you know. So um, (laughs) how are you going to deal with that? If you figure it out in advance, I think it helps you out. But but I want to talk about good days because I think we're we're dragging Francesco down in his moment of victory here. Um, uh, (laughs) You've got a successful YouTube. You've got a successful app. Are you starting to think about what's next? I mean, it's hard not to, right? Um. I think I'll buy Twitter next, right? Oh, I'm sorry. It's sold already. <laughs> Too late. No. I heard they got new management. I'm not sure what that is about. Some some guy I've never heard of. Yeah. But the yeah, I don't know. Um I think it's I think it's mainly the sort of the short term um goals are the course and the templates. Um and then the sort of long-term goals is I think like, I want to go carry on with the sort of same, uh, I think I said it when I was quite young, I was like, I want to make a suite of productivity apps. That would be lovely. Um, but I don't want them to intrude in the market and I want them to have their place. So, um, I've already come up with the second app idea. Um, so I think a sort of nice set of apps would be lovely within the next two years. So, um, but let's see how Bento goes, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I think goes. you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be lovely. Well, uh, Francesco D'Alessio, did I get it right? D'Alessio. Close. All right. What did I get wrong? <laughs> Tell me now. D'Alessio. D'Alessio. There we go. <laughs> oh, one time I uh, lovely. One time I guested on the Connected Podcast, and I tried to say uh, 
goodbye in Italian as Federico does. And I think that um, he has never forgiven me, honestly. But the, uh, <laughs> either way, um, so uh, where do people go to learn more about Bento and your your YouTube channel and all the great stuff you're making? Um, well, first off, guys, thanks so much for having me. And um, you gave me a good, uh, a healthy grilling on topics. So that was, got my mind working, which is good. Thank you. Yeah, we're uh, kind of mean that way. So. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. It's good. Um, if people want to find Bento, it's on iOS. You just have to search the app store for Bento. Um, and we are looking to launch the Android version. Um, I can't really give you a date, but it's going to start soon with development, which is good fun, but not a small task. <laughs> it's definitely a large task. Um, but if you want to find the YouTube channel, it's just keep productive into YouTube if you're looking for some advice on some apps. But thank you for both for having me, honestly. It's been a, it's been a good laugh. I forgot to ask you now, as, a, as an old Mac nerd, are you familiar with the original Bento app for the Mac? Have you heard about this? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah the uh, I remember the uh, old one, yeah. The, the database app from FileMaker, yeah. Yeah, that's what we were worried about when we launched. We were like, are we going to be called after the same app? And then we were like, oh, thank God, no. Yeah, uh, it's very uh, different. Slightly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. Um, but they have, the thing is, with Bento app logos, they look so nice. So <laughs> it's uh, so relaxing. Yeah, and, and Bento boxes makes everybody happy, huh? How can you not be happy with that little box with things just organized just so? I, I, I love the idea, too. Yeah. Th- thanks for both having me anyway. Appreciate it. Thank you, Francesco. We are the Focus Podcast. You can find us on relay.fm slash focused. Thank you to our sponsors, Collide, Squarespace, and Indeed. Also, thank you to our supporters. We've got our bonus episode today. We've got some interesting content we're going to be talking about right after this. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.